With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Animind, an anime podcast where we nerd out about all things anime and dive deeply into the storytelling art form while dissecting the psychological aspects that it speaks to. I'm your co-host, Matthew Basil. I'm your co-host, Danny Ari. And I'm your co-host, Graham Pugh. This episode, we will be discussing Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is the 2009 series not, not the original series which was just called full metal alchemist here and at least here in the u.s um this is the full metal alchemist brotherhood which i think started in 2009 so we'll be discussing that we won't be going into deep spoilers so if you're in the process of watching it or you haven't watched it yet um we won't be kind of talking about end spoilers we'll be sticking mostly to just the characters and their relationships with each other and you know what what they're kind of going through emotionally so if you want to be surprised with twists and turns and and stuff because it revolves around a big conspiracy we won't be revealing any of that we will be pretty spoiler free i was around anime in high school a little bit you know just kind of when i was over friends houses and stuff but i wasn't really kind of pulled into anime uh until i got to college my roommate was having cartoon networks adult swim uh on uh throughout the night um you know well past uh my bedtime so i saw commercials for this it was actually though when i looked at the date it was actually the original full metal alchemist um which i know is similar but i think danny you said this one did it a lot more accurate to the manga? Yes. So the original was in production at the same time the manga was being written still. So there was a point that it surpassed the manga and it started just making up its own details and it (laughs) goes way, way, way off the tracks. Like there is nothing in common towards the end. It's so different. And personally, I prefer the Brotherhood version because it was written after to fix the to fix the errors. Like if you watch, I think the first like 10 episodes of both, they're pretty similar. But Brotherhood is the one that follows all of the manga from beginning to end super accurately, which is why it's my favorite. So, I mean, you've seen both of them then. So you feel that Brotherhood actually had the better ending and the better story? Yes, uh, I do appreciate the differences. And I know that there's some movies, you know, spinoff movies type of things for both, I believe. But I think, is it only one, Graham? I know that there was at least one movie that was just kind of its own thing based on the original, I think. But then the conclusion to the original anime was a movie in itself 
called yeah. Conquers yeah. or Shambhala? Okay, yeah. So I do remember there was a couple different movies that I had seen, but I prefer, it's hard. I prefer, obviously, Brotherhood, but the original, I think, was the reason I have a soft, like, a good place in my heart for that one is because it was the first one I had actually seen. And it was... First anime you had ever seen? No, no. Oh. It was the, the first of... <laughs> this was before I even started watching, uh, reading the manga. Because oh, okay. I wasn't into manga yet. So mm-hmm. I had just seen the original, or at least a couple episodes of the original Full Metal Alchemist. And I was like, well, I... I should get into the the manga. And then I realized they were very, very different. So I was really confused. And then eventually they did come out with the um, the Brotherhood one, which is, I think, it's better. It's better written. It makes more sense because it was supposed to be, you know, that ending. Mm-hmm. So personally, right. I think I think my, my the soft place in my heart for the original is because it was new to me. But I do like Brotherhood more. Decidedly. Graham, do you, do you uh, I, I take it you've seen both. Do you concur with that? I never completed the original 2003 anime. Mm-hmm. I remember watching some of it, but and then like kind of catching up on the differences between the two. I prefer the Brotherhood version, but there's a few things I appreciated about the original. Like, yes. They go more in depth about one of the identities of, of one of the antagonists, whereas in the Brotherhood version, it's a little more, not hand-waved, but it doesn't tie it in as much. Yes, that was going to be the other thing. And it's like, they're both good, but one of them, I appreciate the depth that it was given in the 2003 one. Because... If you've been listening to the show so far, I love character development and I love getting to know about the villain. And I have a very special place in my soul for humanizing the bad guy. The original did that really well with that character. I know that Graham's given faces and stuff that you can't see. But yes, that one in particular, um, they do humanize, which is funny because he's not a human. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, it's not a spoiler. It's pretty obvious after like the second episode. But uh, <laughs> I did appreciate how dynamic his character was in the original. That it just kind of got glossed over a little bit more, and they changed his character to be kind of a little harder um, in in the Brotherhood series. So I, if, if I, this is how I had my roommate watch them. If you watch Brotherhood first and you love it, go watch the original because they, well, they use the same voice actors, which is great. Um, they're going to sound a little younger just because it's off by about six years um, or so. Uh, but the storyline differs after a couple of episodes. So you'll immediately start noticing. And it's, it's a fun ride. If you're looking to only watch one of them, Brotherhood definitely <laughs> makes more sense. As I've said in this series, I'm new to anime, fairly new. So I've, I, I, I saw the commercials for the original when I was in college, but um, I, I watched Brotherhood for this this show. But I was always interested in the concept. I mean, I, like when I watched those saw those commercials, I was always like, oh my god, this looks so good. This looks so good. I just never caught it. Um, unlike Inuasha, which also looked amazing to me and I, I was actually able to like 
watch episodes um, when I was in college. And so, you know, that's was where I was kind of, you know, first fell in love with anime. But uh, it just took me several years to finally <laughs> get around to watching the rest hey, of Hey, it's them. never too but, late, Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Never too late for anything. Um, but, you know, I've, having watched this, um, yeah, it, it was exactly, I mean, again, I know it was a different show technically, but it was what I expected as far as I, I loved it just as much as I thought I would. There is definitely, and I would assume it's the, it's the themes of, you know, loss, guilt, PTSD, bonds of friendship and, and brotherhood, for lack of a better <laughs> word. Brotherhood, uh, brotherhood said the thing. Yeah. Wonder if that's where they got it from. Um, I, I assume that those are probably pretty similar in, in both series. I yes. Um, I think those overarching themes are touched upon differently, though, between mm. the series, uh, especially how, I'm not going to give spoilers, certain characters handle the knowledge that they receive throughout the the I almost called it the campaign, like a D&D game, but the storyline. <laughs> um, so the way they handle certain information is different, but the main traumatic events, I guess, that shaped much of the, the manga are present in almost both of them, except maybe the, the final couple things, the big things that happen um, weren't obviously written yet in the manga for the original but there's certain scenes i'm sure that i can tell graham that are traumatic to, to watch in both <laughs> also that being said please never watch the live action movie because it takes both of the worst things from the stories and just mishmashes them together it makes no sense the live action movie was awful. As a general rule, we try to avoid live action adaptations of anime. I was gonna say I'm pretty new to the anime community here, and I've already learned that. So. Yeah, yeah, good, good, yes, good. <laughs> I was like, mm, I'm not touching that with the ten foot pole. You know what's bad? I saw it come out, and I had hope. I know I shouldn't have, but I did because it's my favorite. It's my hands down favorite anime, so I had to watch it. But my roommate wanted to watch it. So I did not want that to be his introduction. So I made him watch both Brotherhood, then the original, two series, mind you, before he watched the movie. <laughs> and he goes, wow, that movie was horrible. <laughs> but the series, according to him, he enjoyed immensely. So <laughs> um, that's pretty much seems to be what happens with the uh, with the anime. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this probably a little more when we do our Cowboy Bebop episode. I was recently just watching the YouTube video of a guy who, who had never seen the Cowboy Bebop anime, decided to review the Netflix series, watched the Netflix series, was like, this isn't good. And then watched the anime and was like, wow, they really screwed up the show <laughs> in the live action version. So so for those of you who don't uh, who, who don't know about this show or what it's about, basically it follows two brothers who practice alchemy. Which again, for those of you who aren't sci-fi fantasy fans and don't know what alchemy is, alchemy is the uh, practice of magic where you basically change matter from one form to it's another. It's science magic. It's science magic. Yeah, it actually was. People were trying to crack it and figure out how to do it, you know, back in the Middle Ages, and it was outlawed by the church. It is actually is a, that's a thing. Um, to my knowledge, nobody's actually come forward with being able to do it. But Not yet. Um, 
<laughs> but of course, if you if you want to go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, uh, you could <laughs> probably make an argument <laughs> contrary to that statement. But anyway, the, so these two brothers are practicing alchemy. Their mother, and, and this is revealed in like the second or first episode, so I'm not spoiling anything for you. Their, it's the basis of the entire series. Their mother uh, dies, and they try to use alchemy to bring her back to life. The basis of alchemy is that you, oh yes it, it's yeah so this is the science part of it you can't make something from nothing so there's an equal exchange so the entire series kind of goes on this theme of you take something then you have to give something so mm -hmm. basically they have to it, it's it's in the first first episode, I believe, or the second episode. Uh, the second episode is the flashback. I mean, they talk about it in the first yes. episode. Yes. So they're trying to get their mom back, but they actually have this conversation, like, what constitutes the human soul? Because you can break it down into all of its base components, all of the, the certain ingredients, I guess, that make a human. They try to bring back their mom. They're trying to pull out of the great beyond... And Al loses his his whole body, and Edward loses an arm. And so during this, he freaks out, Ed. Ed freaks out, and he goes, you took my brother. He's all I have left. So he needs to at least bring back his brother's soul. So he loses his leg. So my thought process on this is, Al gave up his entire being to bring back, quote unquote, their mother. So he's lost to the void. But Ed can't handle that. So he sacrifices his leg just so that he can bring back his little brother's soul, which he somehow, from all of his reading of his estranged father's books, uh, knows how to put inside of a suit of armor, which is the two main characters. You've got the main character, Ed, with one leg and one arm. The other two are metal. And then you've got Ed, or sorry, Al, the little brother, who's huge. He's like, I think he's supposed to be like six foot something uh, hulking armor. So that's their first lesson in giving and taking. And kind of, we've talked about this a lot, like the, the, the balancing act of nature. That's kind of the entire premise of the story it's just kind of them trying to figure out how to bring their mom back and or I guess how to get their 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 bodies back to normal because I, they're kids 14 and 15 years old and they're just secondhand learning it's not like they have an actual teacher for a lot of their life so they are very juvenile their brains are focused on let's get our mom back she's dead it doesn't make sense why is she gone and they uh, it's just it it's messed up it's really sad because they they don't have all the knowledge going into it and I think later on you learn about another character who kind of went through something similar that they if they had share if they had shared that experience with Ed and Al maybe that wouldn't have happened in the future like if they had used their failure as a learning experience for these kids instead of kept it keeping it bottled up, you know, maybe they wouldn't have tried to bring back their mom because you can't bring back what's dead, right? 
Or can you? Dun 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 dun. I love the the symbolism of of really this whole show, and I, maybe I'm just reading into it. Um, but it it had a lot <laughs> of symbolism. I'm getting a shake head, so good. I'm not reading into it because I was like, this is <laughs> so on point for a lot of personal things that I went to, and I. I I, I won't go into details just to protect the people, you know, and, and to keep their privacy who, who, who I went through these things with, but I, it took so much to me to, to watch these two brothers who, you know, try to kind of do return back to normal, their life basically, and tried to reverse their life back to normal after this humongous tragedy and ended up getting in over their heads ended up kind of on this quest for uh, knowledge that ended up taking a, a piece of them. Edward is shown when he when they do this ceremony to try to bring their mother back, he confronts a being who claims to be God, basically, or says, well, God's one of my names, you know, I'm everything. And, and he says, well, you knocked on this door, so here you go. And there, and that's, you know, when he kind of, he, he sees a lot of truths and knowledge. He becomes, you know, more powerful alchemist because of it, but he also like loses his arm. And the line that says, well, you knocked on this door, you know, really rung true for me because, um, you know, when I went through a, a personal tragedy, it caused me to, to knock on a door and um, for a quest for knowledge and understanding and trying to make sense of it. And, I, you know, did to a large extent eventually get there, but there is a piece that was definitely lost of me. So I just, you know, was like, you know, so blown away by just that. And this was like the second episode. So that's why I was just like hooked from that. Cause I was like, wow, you were like speaking directly to me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who's had this experience. So like that, it, it's, it's such a powerful way to start the series. I think that, yes, that symbolism is very much present uh, so no, you're not reading too much into it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the idea, I think that we learn as we grow to be adults, when you lose that naivety, that na I, I'm not knowing how to pronounce <laughs> words, apparently. I can't help you. I'm going to mispronounce it too, but, uh, not na naivety, naivete, naivete, naivete. <laughs> When you okay, use that naive so, innocence, let's yeah, call it Yeah, when that. you lose that naive innocence, um, you lose that when you, when you go through trauma, when you go through experiences that cause you to grow up faster than you should. Like, speaking mm -hmm. from personal experience, I had a rough childhood at a very young age, and I went through a lot of bad things before I was even a teenager. So... I had a lot of people, I had a lot of people telling me, oh, you're an old soul in high school. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I already had a lifetime's worth of trauma before I was even graduated from high school. So that makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm, I'm only 16, you know, so <laughs> it, it's very true. So the whole idea of this knowledge makes you lose a part of yourself, uh, where in their, their case, it's literally physically a part of them that they lose for this knowledge. The first time that I sat down to read this, like, I didn't get very far. But when I sat down and read it, like, beginning to end, 
it was actually like maybe a month after I saw my grandpa die in front of me. So that was like a very, very timely time for me to have uh, experienced that story because I was very close to my grandpa and and then like very traumatic to see him die in front of me suddenly. That was, I think, part of what made me appreciate it even more because I had started reading it before, but I think it was just maybe the first volume. And then we didn't really go to the library that carried all the volumes after that, so I didn't get to read anymore. But then when I read it from beginning to end was during that time in my life and I was a little older and we actually happened to be on kind of a getaway vacation to kind of keep our mind off of our grandpa and just get away from the stress of it when I was reading Full Metal Alchemist. Um, so that's, that's I think, another reason why it sticks with me as much as it does. Loss is also another, you know, big theme, I think, that goes throughout this. Not only do we have the concepts of alchemy, which is balance, give and take, as Danny, you mentioned, um, you know, creation and destruction, you know, and then that's kind of tied to this PTSD. And then it's it tied to, you know, the forces of life and death. Because another thing I noticed in the series was alchemy in the series, there's a lot of alchemists. It's not just these two brothers. And there's actually like a whole government corpse of them. Yeah, the, and, the state, the military is mostly alchemists. Right. And in fact, the brothers joined the military for, to try to, you know, find well, a way to get their mom back. Ed, Ed does. Ed does, yes, technically, yeah. <laughs> Ed does, because uh, they're kind of trying to hide the fact that the brother, younger brother, is uh, uh, just a suit of armor. Because um, that's not really known as being capable, I think. Like, I think it's kind of, people are a little surprised when they learn that that can even be done. So, um, but the, it, there, so uh, there's a lot of alchemists, but in uh, a lot of the episodes that I saw, a lot of uh, recurring theme was that they're, even though they're all round and they're all powerful and they're very well versed, they are powerless in the face, in the concepts of life and death. They can't bring someone back from the dead. They can't create life either. Those forces are like beyond them. And I thought that was kind of an interesting theme as well. Cause we, so when we, face trauma especially a loss you know that's i think everybody's knee-jerk reaction is to bring that person back we don't it's a change it is it is alchemy death is the death is the ultimate alchemy you know i mean whatever your you know religious spiritual beliefs are i mean something has changed forms um you know because that's what death is it's a it's a it's an ultimate change but you know we all want everything to go back to the way it was you know we lose somebody especially children yes i think that that the fact that you can't do that 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 is the ultimate alchemy and and there's no way to really come back from that that you have to move forward because that's another theme that the brothers say a lot well we just have to keep moving forward this is the path we're on we just have to keep going um i think is a very powerful statement for someone going through loss one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, Ed's character in particular is that he stays driven and motivated throughout the entire series. And partially because of guilt. You know, he's the older brother and he has this guilt that weighs down on him that I should have protected my little brother. And he almost died because given they both wanted to bring their mom back, but he's supposed to look out for him. So he has this guilt that he carries 
whether it's visible or not all the time, he still has it. So he's constantly reminding his brother, you know, we're going to get our bodies back. We're going to, it's going to happen. And over the series, despite what they, they find out, what they learn, what the hardships that they come across, he's still like, we're going to figure it out one way or another. He is that backbone of strength for his brother, despite their, they both lost, you know, their, their mom. But I think he stays strong for his little brother and they deal with this loss differently um, where Ed uses it to motivate him to be stronger for his brother. Whereas Ed, he, he's younger. You mean Alfonso, right? Sorry. Yeah. Al is younger and he he has a lot of doubt. One of the main themes for Al is is that doubt, whether it is the doubt that maybe we won't get our bodies back. Maybe this is life. And there's there's a particular moment later on that he doubts that he's real just because some person was like, how do you know? You're just a voice in a suit of armor. There's no physical being to you. How do you know that you're real? How do you know that he didn't just make you and put sentience into you? And and of course, he's a kid and he looks up to his brother, but his world gets flipped upside, upside down and he has this moment of panic and doubt and anger. And yet he goes through these stages where he, he even isolates himself because he's he doesn't want to talk about it. And it's it's such a, a strong situation for the brothers having to work through that i think it's very interesting too with the younger brother alfonso who's in the suit of armor because the whole thing that really makes him suffer and then you know it puts the guilt on his older brother too is because he's in the suit of armor he can't sleep so he can't dream he can't eat he can't taste he can't feel he has no senses he can't can't cry he can't feel anything he's a suit of armor he i mean he can talk he he, i guess sees you know what's going on in the world he he remembers he talks and that's about it he's he's best boy by the way he's my he's (laughs) best boy he's the best boy he's a good good boy that deserves all the best things in life I love Alphonse in both series. He's a good he's a good boy. Third favorite character in the series. What's your first two? Um, Greed is my favorite, and then I think it's a tie between Alphonse and Scar for second and third. Right, I won't give you Greed. Greed is a good one. Um, <laughs> but what I love about Alfonso is that it's very again symbolic of PTSD. Um, I, I don't, I have PTSD. I don't suffer to this degree of numbness, but I have run into people who do have PTSD, um, who do, you know, are absolutely numb. They can't feel anything at all. I, I I can't feel certain things. I mean, I have trouble feeling certain things. So I definitely understand the concept of numbness, but I mean, this is to such a degree. It is, it is a perfect, you know, symbolic representation of what PTSD can do to the individual. It can numb you to all of life. And he is literally numbed to life. He is numbed emotionally, he is numbed by his senses. He is numbed in every way. So he is the, like I said, epitome of, of, of a PTSD survivor and suffer. And so I thought that was kind of really 
an interesting way to put that front and center. You know, we see PTSD portrayed a lot of movies and television, but that was a way to, I think, really encapsulize what the experience can be like. I wouldn't say he's emotionally numb. He has a lot of emotion. He, well, I would I, argue that he has more emotion than Edward, at least outwardly. He is very emotional. What I meant by emotionally numb is because he, like you said, he can't cry. Oh, like crying, yes, outwardly. He can't, he can't smile, he can't cry, he can't, you okay, know, do so those the, the symbolically. Actual, yes, okay, yes. all right. I was going to say, because he has a lot of feelings for a metal he boy. He does. He's, there's a lot of feels between the two brothers in general, but yeah, I would definitely say he's probably the more sensitive one, at least outwardly, which is also very evident. Some, sometimes people with PTSD are very sensitized and very sensitive, um, you know, and they go the other way too. They're just, they're very childlike and fragile with that. So and that's why, like I said, I just thought he was, he was one of the, uh, for me at least, you know, I don't know how, you know, other people who have experience with PTSD would feel, but for me at least he was a very he rang very true for such a sci-fi fantasy character. Uh, he rang very true uh, for what I've seen in media. Like going off of how he can't sleep, he can't taste, he can't cry, all of that. He he kind of bottles that away because he is very childlike and warm and happy. Like when he meets people, he's probably, if not the friendliest character in the series, one of them. And that's yeah. how okay. he presents himself, especially compared to Ed. And I feel like that's how he deals with a lot of his uh, emotional baggage and trauma. And then, like, when he's alone at night, when everyone else is asleep, that 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 kind of shows itself and the mask kind of drops. And that's when he gets kind of weighed down by his emotions. You're completely correct in the fact that he does bottle up a lot of that more bitter feeling he has about the whole thing. I don't know if it's to protect his brother or because he's afraid. There's so many different factors, but I find it interesting the way that they both handle this. So Edward is outwardly gruff and tough and stubborn, haughty, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y, not a haughtie. <laughs> um, he comes across as kind of a jerk. A lot of the time, he's he has this this wall built. His brother is the complete opposite. He outwardly is friendly and happy and always so polite and kind of shy and just a sweet, sweet boy. But then when he's by himself or he's too much in his head at the end of the day, you know, those thoughts weigh on him, you know, and he starts to doubt. He starts to think too much and get sad and almost like a yin and yang type of situation. They're both two sides of the same coin. And, and we've talked about this theme in a lot of different animes. But I think it is a good demonstration of how people handle PTSD and trauma and stress uh, in the public eye versus alone and with those that they love i'm not going to go into specifics because it's kind of a spoiler there's another character who's shown who is kind of a war refugee and it kind of shows how he reacts to his trauma and ptsd so it's like this show presents multiple perspectives on how people kind of cope with that and then there's another character whose parents are killed 
And then there's an opportunity for her to confront her parents' killer. And that's a very big emotional moment in the show. The character who's a refugee is very angry, lashes out, uh, even more so than Ed. And then this other character who's lost her parents, she's a lot more contained, but she also has a lot of anger, but it's withheld closer to how Alphonse handles it than Ed. But yeah, it just shows a lot of different ways that people deal with grief and trauma. Well, yeah, and Graham, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I know you're, you're studying to be a therapist, so you probably know more than I do about this. But I think PTSD, in the end of the day, is just a reaction to trauma and, you know, and tragedy or, or some kind of severe event. And again, as we've said in the series, you know, many, many times, we're all unique individuals. So we all handle it differently. So PTSD can look very different. You could be like Alfonso and be very cheery and then just bottle everything in and just a cracked, shattered mirror on the inside. You could be very aggressive, hot-tempered and dynamic like Edward. Um, who I, I think had a lot of similarities to Inuasha from when we did the Inuasha series, who also you know, dealt with a lot of trauma and you know a, a rough childhood as well. So there's, I think, all different ways to do that. And I think the show very nicely, like you said, shows people are dealing with trauma and they're all dealing with it in different ways. And it kind of shows like how it relates to their personality and how that, that can change. That's why I thought it was such a powerful show to really put those examples out there a again this is like I said why what i've have seen in anime and what one of the things i really love about it um is it used these sci-fi fantasy elements magical elements whatever you want to call them pseudo religion science uh <laughs> it uses these fantastical elements to really kind of again showcase the ways we can react to trauma you know by by physically taking someone's limb you know or, or placing someone in a suit of metal um you know and the stuff that obviously would never happen in real life but i think reflects so much more accurately what really happens in real life yeah i think when you go through trauma you give up a little piece of yourself they say that when you go through depression for example or tr ptsd issues like traumatic experiences over time, your brain naturally tries to forget it, whether it's in a healthy way or, you know, some people actually have traumatic experiences so bad that they completely fragment themselves and they get multiple personalities to deal with that stress because their psyche can't even handle it and it has no other way but to just break off completely. You know, those are the, the more severe cases, but... You lose something, whether it's your innocence, whether it is your childhood, which is kind of hand in hand, kind of your memories or just a big piece of your past when it comes to like what shapes you. I think it's the way that they are shown how to deal with this traumatic experience and how they overcome these issues with oh, not communicating or hiding things or feeling guilty. They handle it healthy in the end. You know, they they come up with healthy ways to overcome these obstacles, whether it's from the, the help of others, dear friends, uh, personal moments of truth, realizations, I guess. 
it, it kind of sh- showcases a healthy way how to deal with these issues over time. Maybe not initially, but by the end of the series, see them become a lot healthier in their relationship with one another and, you know, the people that they care about. If you or someone you know is listening to this podcast right now and you're struggling with suicide, addiction, self-harm, or depression, we encourage you guys to please reach out. This is the heartbeat of why we do what we do. Suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. And as of this recording, there are 132 suicides that take place each and every day on American soil. And when you scale back internationally, there are 800,000 successful suicides. That is one death roughly every 40 seconds. So if you or someone you know is struggling, you guys can go to victimsandvillains.net forward slash hope. That resource is going to be right in the description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this. There you'll find resources that include the National Suicide Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text HELP to 741-741. We also have a plethora of other resources, including churches, getting connected with counselors, LGBT resources like the Trevor Project, and also Veteran Hotline as well. Please, if you hear nothing else in the show, understand that you, yes, you listening to this right now, have value and worth. We get it. Suicide, depression, mental health, these are hard topics, and the stigma around them doesn't make it any easier. But please, consider the resources right in the descriptions below, wherever you guys are listening, because... Once again, you have value and you have worth. So please stay with us. I don't want to overly harp on the PTSD and the trauma themes here, but I mean, it is what the show's about. And like I said, it, it definitely hit home for me. Even the fact that Edward and I share a dislike of milk, but a love of dairy products. Oh, God <laughs> sake. I couldn't believe that when he, when he said that. I'm like, oh, my God. It is, this show was like me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <clears throat> It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's another thing I found really powerful, which again, this is, I think, revealed, uh, maybe like, third or fourth episode when after these traumatic events happen and they go and you know decide to try to figure a way out and you know to get Alfonso's body back and Edward's arms they burn their house down 
um, purposefully. They, they say in the show they burn it down, you know, so that they won't be tempted to return back, which again goes to the themes that you can never go back. Once something, you know, happens, there's no turning back. You have to move forward through it, which again, they say over and over again. But I also love the fact that these boys, after this traumatic event, don't have a home anymore literally because that rang very true for me they have to now find a, a, a new home uh, like figuratively symbolically um i mean I, I know they have like the um the grandmother neighbor you know and um that they can stay with winfrey and and i, I don't know if it's her mother or her grandmother grandma. um grandma there you go i know they could stay with her and they do and all that but i mean it's it's kind of a symbolic thing that there's no longer this home base to go back to that they have to move forward and become something new to and find a new home base and that's again when you have a traumatic experience it especially a severe traumatic experience it destroys your home base it destroys your foundation and there's no going back to that you have to now rebuild a new foundation to to stand on in your life I'm talking figuratively here, but I mean, they did it literally. It's really symbolic. And also the fact that he's not physically like by blood related to Winfrey and her grandmother. Right. Yet she takes them in because God, these are just boys, you know, and it's just awful. And speaking from personal experience, the whole idea of blood isn't the strongest, you know, it's, <laughs> they always say that ah, blood's thicker than water, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but wait, wait, wait. I'm going to put this to rest right here because the blood thicker than water is misinterpreted by modern people because they don't understand the origins of it. It was it was used way back when. And when you think about it, when you say blood is thicker than water, what's the water? The water is your family because when you are born, you're, it's water. You're actually water breaks. So that's the water is your family. The blood was used. It was a term back in like the days of the crusades it was a term to say those you fought in arms with spilled blood with are is who your true loyalty goes to so it actually originally was against family it was saying that your loyalty is to your fellow uh soldiers or you know your brothers in arms over your family <laughs> leave it up leave it up to matt to like give us a history lesson in the middle of the podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> no that's great um i actually did not know that either but the yeah, whole yeah. idea of, you know, blood ties, blah, 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 whatever. As, as, <laughs> as someone who grew up shaped by essentially strangers and people who weren't my blood, I think it's, I resonate pretty, pretty heavily with this story because he finds this, this family, it's the whole found family type of situation where it's, Hughes and his family and even you know you've got Mustang even though maybe Ed doesn't like him and they kind of pick on each other he's like the uncle that you know you bicker with but in the end they would you know fight for each other this found family is so strong and I think it it shows them building up that foundation over time with this with this found family whether or not it's the neighbor or the new the new people he's working with people that are helping him find the truth people that are helping him just be better he chooses this family and i personally have chosen my a lot of my family because i don't have the biggest family that, that's left you know and 
I think your found family, the people who you choose, it says so much about you as a person and what these people mean to you and what you mean to them. Because whether or not you're related by blood, these people are still willing to die for you, people who are willing to fight for you. And I think that says a lot about these characters as well. Because Winfrey... I think is is really, especially Winfrey, at least in the episodes I I, I, I saw. I, I did not finish the series. I, um, <laughs> guilty. Um, but I did not finish the series yet. But at least in the episodes that I saw, Winfrey is really kind of their emotional support the, for these two older brothers. She kind of grounds them when their trauma kind of sends them off against each other. She's the one who can kind of pull them back from that edge. Um, because although they're very supportive of each other, these brothers, and they're kind of in this together, they're both suffering through this trauma and it's the same trauma. And that's something else too, that I personally have experienced when there's, there's places that, you know, someone who experienced the trauma with you can go that others can't and can reach you that others cannot because they experienced it with you and because they understand it. But sometimes there's also places that because you both experience a trauma, if you're both kind of being triggered by this, or you're both kind of going through this darkness, then it can be difficult. You need that other emotional support that can kind of reach you and understand it and pull you out still. I'm not sure if it's revealed when you first meet her. I know the specifics aren't, but the reason that Winry lives with her grandma is because she lost both of her parents. So I think that um, speaks strongly to kind of that found family piece that we talked about, because like you said, she's been through a similar experience and like they grew up together. So when they lose their mom, she's like, hey, I've, I've got you guys. I've been through that. We're basically family. Also, the fact that back to the whole found family and the rejection of blood ties, Edward essentially hates his dad because he wasn't there he was estranged for a lot of his life and he has this blame for him he he's upset that he wasn't there when his mother needed him the most like it goes as so far as that he didn't even know for years what had happened to the house he just comes back and he's like what happened to the house it's been it's been a while things have things have changed you know He's he's almost shocked later on when he, he finds out about it. And Ed's just like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Oh, I'm going to get mad that the house is gone. Like, you have no say-so here anymore. You've been gone for so long. Personally, I completely agree. You decide to leave. You can't just be upset when things change when you're gone. Especially if the love of his life, presumably, dies and is left alone like these kids had nobody when he was when he was gone and she died that rejection of that familial tie despite the fact that he's right there he could go to him but he doesn't he rejects it completely again it's it's very symbolic because these boys have experienced parental abandonment <laughs> experienced then the death of a parent so, I mean, which I think is, you know, a little bit of a different flavor, even though it's still a loss of a parent. And then they experience this kind of situation that is, when they try to bring the mother back, I mean, is that is kind of beyond, you know, what what a child, because they're like 15 and 14, I believe, or at least when the, the series, I think they were even younger when it happened, but I, I think the majority of the series, they're 15 and 14. So it's just beyond what a child, I mean, it should be 
you know, be experiencing. And like I said, grows up too fast, Danny. I think you used that term. And I think that was perfectly symbolic of, of a child that has to grow up too fast because they're experiencing something that a child shouldn't have to experience. In addition to the parent abandonment and in addition to the parent's death, in addition to losing their home so and their family, basically, their whole family unit. And so, I mean, that's just a lot of trauma. And I think so many people could probably find either that trauma, you know, in their own lives or, or, you know, representations from that they could extrapolate from that. So I think that's why it rings so true. At least like I said, for me, it rang so true for experiences that I've had in real life and managed to kind of take those experiences that I know I sometimes have trouble voicing and kind of giving them such larger than life representation in the story. And that's, you know, what I thought it did so, so well. Um, from a psychological standpoint, this is a victims and villains podcast. So from a psychological standpoint, I thought they just beautifully did that. Another theme in there that I really loved as well, which again, goes to the PTSD, if you want to, and, you know, grief and, and loss and everything like that. I love the lyric to at least the opening song in the, in the first season, it looked like they, they changed it at least when I was watching it. Um, I guess in the second season, but uh, it, it says, I hide the shadow that stretches out behind my forced smile. And again, I think that speaks so much to the experience that we go through when we have trauma or loss, you know, a, a healthy way to do it. And, and, you know, I encourage people to do it. Um, don't do, you know, what I've done a lot, but <laughs> it would be to, you know, actually talk about it and express it and kind of wear, you know, their, their heart on their sleeve and their emotions out and find people like Winfrey who maybe didn't experience your trauma, but are experienced related trauma and, you know, can understand and, and empathize with you without kind of getting into the pit with you and kind of help show you the way out. So many people, at least I know I have, instead hide behind a forced smile because we're not in a lot of times in society allowed to, you know, grieve or, or show emotions that are uncomfortable, uh, especially for a certain period. A lot of times everybody's there for you the first week and then everyone kind of moves on with their lives. They have their own lives to live. And then you're still left with that loss and that heavy trauma, but now no one's around you. So you end up kind of for having to force a smile and then you it, it, it casts a shadow. Like the song says, it casts a shadow that stretches out from it and it casts a shadow over your soul or your spirit or your whatever mind, whatever you you know, your, your beliefs are. Speaking from experience, I didn't lose my parents to death, so I didn't even have that, oh, there's a reason to explain why you're upset. Like, my like my situation is pretty complicated, but basically my parents couldn't take care of me. I was really young, and they just shouldn't have had a kid. So they didn't die, but I was given up to strangers, essentially, like, to, to raise me. And so it's the kind of situation where you tell people, oh, I don't really have a family. They're like, oh, they died. And you can kind of hear the, the, the understanding in their voice. You're like, oh, well, I mean, they just couldn't take care of me. They're like, oh. And there's like that judgment, I think. And so there definitely is that whole initial knee-jerk reaction. Like, oh, death. So sorry. You know, and... It doesn't always last very long, like you said. And Graham, he, he sent a text chat just now. Get over it. Your parents were viciously murdered six days ago. You know, essentially, you know, that's 
at first it's kind of the oh i'm sorry that happened to you but uh life goes on these are kids you know and they say that the time between you were like one and 15 or one and 12 is when your body is forming and your mind is most receptive to things and i think trauma at such a young age is gonna shape you quite quite heavily i checked their ages when their mother died ed was five and al was four so that especially impacted them and i think going back to kind of talking about how their father was absent i think ed feels even more guilty that he failed that he feels like he failed his mom he failed his brother and he couldn't take on the role of the supportive older figure of his father That's a lot of pressure. Especially on a (laughs) five-year-old. Yeah, no, I didn't realize they were so young. I know that, like, they had to go through rehabilitation, especially, you know, Ed with all of his automail and his uh, mechanical arm and leg and stuff. I know there was a couple years. Uh, I think maybe by the end of the series, they're 14 and 15. That makes a lot more sense timeline-wise. Because I know, technically, when you're 15, you're an adult, in Japan at least. But this is, like, a whole other world where there are different continents, so it's hard to know exactly what constitutes as an adult. Neither of them are adults, (laughs) and they've gone through a lot of crap. Even adults going through everything that they went through, I mean, can still be very traumatic. It it took away their home base. Like I said, it took away their foundation. I'm not trying to downplay it if you're like, you know, you lose a parent and you're an adult and you have a family of your own. I mean, it's you know, I mean, it still can affect you. But I mean, when you're you, when when you're part of that household, when you're part of that family unit, when that's your home base, and you know, you're still facing the world and learning about the world, and you get that taken away from you, both your father and your mother, it kind of pulls the rug out from under you, for lack of a better term. We haven't even gotten into later in the series. There's race war fallout that you see from the past and the ramifications of that and how things weren't handled well and how it shaped their future and how it shaped characters and that that's a whole other type of trauma that you learn about later i don't want to get too far into it but watching your family die in front of you is again uh portrayed by another character except he doesn't handle it the way that ed does he internalizes it and uses it as cannon fodder or or uh, gas fuel for his anger for his hatred and his his bitterness and and the, one of the reasons I think both Graham and I like this character is because of his character development and the thought processes that go you get like a very good look inside of his thought process and his memories and the way he's remembering things the way his mind works that progression over time i think is very important and you initially hate the character but over time you see how he's learning that maybe oh i'm not handling this trauma well i'm i'm actually remembering a lot of other stuff way later after i'm Doing all these bad things and hating all these people, it, his brain blocked out a lot of these memories in the trauma, in the in the chaos that he's remembering bits and pieces and making his own truth out of it. That is a completely fabricated 
angry truth that causes the death of people. His character, while, you know, we're not getting too far into it, is a great juxtaposition of Ed and Al's characters who handled their parents' death or their mother's death uh, one way. And he's on the complete end of the spectrum. And him working through this trauma is, is a really heavy point of story later on in the se- the series. I was introduced to that character too. And I, I immediately actually gravitated towards him because trauma can take you down a very dark path. It, it, it takes a, a great deal of effort to avoid that path a lot of times. And so I think that's very interesting when we see you know, that portrayal go down there because it, it's so understandable and it's kind of a cathartic way <laughs> to maybe see how that path looks like without actually going down it yourself. I think also a good explanation, or at least my thought on it, is that Ed had his brother. He had someone mm. to not only protect, but to ground him. Whereas this character had nobody. He was all alone. Because of that, he had to handle all of this anger and loss and trauma alone. And I think, you know, I that's why you need to talk about your trauma. That's why you need to share it with people you care about, whether they're found family or your actual family. It's healthy to discuss your trauma, even if it's initially painful, but so you can have someone that can ground you, who can be like, you know what, you're valid and your issues are valid, your fears are valid, but there are healthy ways to deal with them. And I think it's very important to see that this character who handles it all wrong had nobody. And and perhaps, in my opinion, that's why. That's why he handled it so negatively, as opposed to Ed and Al, who had each other, to keep themselves stable. I don't think that this is necessarily one of the reasons why it's called brotherhood, but I think the juxtaposition between Ed and Al and these other this other character we're talking about who lost his brother, I think kind of strengthens the bond of Ed and Al that because they were both there for each other and how powerful those brotherly bonds can be. Like how it can like really pull you through and what happens when you don't necessarily have such a strong bond to kind of fall back on. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, again, it, talking from my own personal experiences when you are when you bottle all that inside that is probably the most dangerous thing you can do especially when you're dealing with heavy trauma i mean anytime you're dealing with feelings I me mean, not expressing them always you know leads to problems but when you when you have that kind of heavy heavy trauma bottling it inside that's you know that's what that will cause a fracture like i think danny you said you know or graham one of you said you know the fracturing of the mind um you know because you can't even handle it the personality can't handle it so when you bottle that up that is just not <laughs> not not leading down a good path and i i definitely see that you need to express that you need to talk to somebody and like i said ed word and alfonso they had each other they also had winfrey and her grandmother um too to extent, like you said, and, as that and the found rest of family. their found family, yeah, everybody else and, that ends up helping them and supporting them over the time. 
Right. Versus the uh, this other character we're talking about who really was by himself, could not express it, bottled up inside. Um, you know, tried the to anger be festers. the anger festered. Yeah. And it comes out and it can come out as very, very negative and it can come out as very violent. You are the victim. And since we're victims and villains, you're, you're the victim. And then you make a villain to kind of put that anger and project that anger onto um, from that victimization that you felt. And that makes things so much, so much worse. Uh, even if you don't go down the quite the extent and intensity that this character went down with their anger, uh, it still just can make things so much, so much worse. So since since we are a Victims and Villains podcast, I'm just going to take this moment just to reiterate that if, if you are in that situation and you maybe don't have a found family like uh, Winfrey and her grandmother or, you know, these other police officers or whatever military corps in the TV series, um, if you don't have somebody to talk to, but you need to talk to somebody, uh, you can always check out the Victims and Villains uh, Mental Health Resource Library, iVictimsandVillains.net, which is, like I said, our parent company. And that will at least give you at least somebody or at least a starting point so you can hopefully find somebody who you can talk to if you don't have the benefit of a found family or, or that you can rely on or or a blood family that you can rely on how would you guys like to help us get mental health resources into schools conventions and other events well now you can simply go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains for as little as one dollar a month you guys can help us get mental health resources into current and upcoming generations educate and break down stigma surrounding mental health suicide and depression and you get exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else and you guys can tell us which nicholas cage movie you want us to cover and we'll do it all it takes to get started is to go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains or simply click the link in the episode description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this episode. Pick your tier and get started today. Yes, it's that simple. So quickly select the tier that you want and help us get hope into the hands of the depressed and the suicidal today. Another topic I also found interesting too were the themes of religion really religion and science that also ran through this this series as well i i love the line because again it it, it spoke so clearly to me or at least a, a certain point in my life I, I don't think i'm there anymore but this line it's early on in the series where um edward's fighting somebody and he's i think they the the person who he's fighting says something like oh well i'm I'm going to send you to God or something like that. And he's like, oh, well, God and I don't get along very well. And what <laughs> I found so funny about that, because that line's been done before, but is that he really did. He, he did meet at least the, an entity that claimed to be God, and they didn't get along very well. And that's what set very off the literal. whole thing. It's very literal that he, yeah, I, I met God. I, we, we didn't hit it off too well. It just sounds like he's being a badass. He's like, oh yeah, we don't get along super well. No, but literally I met him and it didn't work out. Right. We kind of got into a little bit of argument. That's what kind of started us off down this whole path. It gets, doesn't get along with anybody though. Yeah, true. That's okay. Funny. Edward's a little, he's a little uh, rough and gruff and kind of a jerk, but he's, it's, you know, he, he's still handling these this trauma in, in a way. He's definitely grown a lot, and he's learning over time. But if you think about it, they're still kids. 
Yeah. And they're still growing. So that journey of following him through the series, those few years, it's showing how, well, not just him, but other characters are handling this trauma over time and kind of making amends and fixing the the chaos that they may have brought upon either themselves or the people they care about, even unintentionally, because of their pursuit of truth, their pursuit of vengeance, their pursuit of a realization that can make everything seem okay. And I think when you deal with trauma, you're looking for this truth. You're looking for something that's going to make sense. And it's the truth is, like, it might not always make sense. It might not be the truth that you want to hear. And I think becoming an adult, you realize this. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the interesting play that they put in with God and religion into the themes was that it was the search for, you know, even the fact that a lot of the series revolves around them finding um, the Philosopher's Stone, I think they call it, uh, which is, it's a real mythical thing, if you want to look it up. It's this all-powerful thing. It it takes the place of God or, or some kind of higher power that they're trying to kind of find and understand in a lot of this. And that does come from trauma a lot. And no matter what your backgrounds are, I think you're looking for some reasoning for, for life. And I love the, uh, the phrase they use, one is all is one. It's also used in the series where they have this kind of concept that we're all in this, this flow. Also, the idea of that balance, back to the whole Philosopher's Stone and the balance and everything, is that they are alchemists. So they understand that there is give and take and everything costs something. But the lure, the allure rather, yes, equivalent exchange, the allure of the Philosopher's Stone is that you can just create something from nothing. And that's why they're like, maybe there is a way to bring back our mother. After all, we've heard about this Philosopher's Stone. We've seen somebody create something from nothing. And the whole idea of how do I get one? Because they're still chasing this far into the series. They they want this stone because it can create something from nothing, which defies everything they've known, but they've seen it happen. That's a big part of the their journey as well, is to search for this answer, even though everything in them tells them, and everything they've learned tells them that this is not possible. You can't just take something you can't just have something without giving something and even when you tried that clearly it didn't work why why do you think you can do this so it's this realization over time that one way or the other there's some sort of exchange and you learn that there's a lot more that goes into that but you learn that over the series and you you realize the truths about everything and they realize the truths about everything and by the end of the series it's a lot of them coming to terms with their losses and using what they have stumbled upon in their search for the truth so this found family these friends these important connections they learn to appreciate them without the whole idea of oh what can i get out of this later and i'm not saying that they've got like agendas but they're kids. So, of course, they want to use every mean, like, everything possible to get their mother back or to get their bodies back. 
So, of course, they're going to strive to get all the knowledge and all the things, you know. In the end, I think it's them coming to terms with the fact that maybe some things better left, like, unsaid, undone, untampered with, because they already almost, he almost lost his brother already. It's a lot of that with appreciating who you have with you on the journey. I, as I said, I, I did not finish the series yet, but I, I do plan on it. It's on my list, uh, bucket list of things to do in this lifetime. Um, certainly. But uh, I would also say too, and again, I, I, I'm speaking, going back to the psychological themes, going back to, you know, my own experiences that the con- very concept of alchemy it is if we take away all like the legends and all the magic and everything in the show, all the rules and everything like that, and the world that they build in the show, the concept of alchemy is changing something. You transmute something. In fact, I had a friend who once who said pain is the cornerstone of growth. And you see it in nature. Pain is how things change and grow. And so I think it could even be said that this whole alchemy thing runs through. And again, that you have to give something to get something is that they have to kind of give up their home. They have to give up their past. They have to give up their family. They have to give up their old life to grow and become something new, a more well-rounded individual. Again, I didn't see the ending. Maybe I'm off on it, but you guys can let me know. But that's where I would see is as the whole concept of alchemy was followed through that the concept of that they had to go through this experience to appreciate each other, to, to find their true family, to find their true selves and to grow as individuals. It's not like it is in the show where people slap their hands together and then suddenly, you know, they have a spear or something like that in their hands. It's, you know, it's a slower process, but it's, it's, it's a process none the same. And um, I think that's can be seen in real life. I, I don't have a home to go to. And I, you know, I, I lost that in a way it gives me open to now find something that's better suited for me and to grow and to become a better uh, what I feel like is a better individual. I saw that with these brothers too. It, it, not having seen their entire journey, of course. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, also coming from a place where I lost my home at a young age, it gave me the opportunity to grow because of how I handled it. I could have handled it real bad. And I'm not saying I handled it the best. And I, as I am an adult now, there's some things that I'm like, ah, oh, maybe that wasn't best way to handle this situation exactly, you know, or whatever. But as an adult, I realized that I did the best with what I had. And I think now as an adult, I'm able to look back and be thankful for these changes because it's made me who I am because I've struggled, because I've gone through these hardships, because I have had loss and trauma and fear it's made me who I am and it wasn't easy absolutely not there are situations that I still struggle with in my past but I wouldn't be who I am I wouldn't have the friends I do and I wouldn't be able to give the advice that I can give now if it weren't for these past hardships and I think that's really important to think about because as trauma happens it's It's not the kind of thing where you are like, oh, this is really painful. It's going to make me a great future person. (laughs) Like, Nope. 
you're in pain and you're not even thinking about what what your future you is gonna do but but that's what's great about hindsight is that once you understand your past actions and how you've dealt with things you can see why you did them and you can see how they've shaped you especially after going to therapy i think therapy is a great resource for anybody whether you feel like you've got trauma or not there are realizations that you can make on your own that that's what therapy is for they help you discover things about yourself that you didn't know and these these truths because they're self-discovery because they lead you they lead you in the right direction they're not prying for answers they're making you discover your truths and i think that's what's important because you can tell somebody hey you're going to be okay but if they don't realize that they're going to be okay themselves they're not going to believe it and i think that's the important part of therapy whether it's about a past trauma or it's about stress or whatever i think therapy is important and benef will be benefit anybody the overarching theme of this is how hindsight can make you realize truths that you didn't know about yourself and can make you stronger once you accept those truths i think we're all a fan of uh mental health therapy first off we're all you know hosting a victims and villains podcast here <laughs> but uh you know i know graham's going to school to be a therapist mental health therapist right now and i've i'm heading into my 13th year in therapy as well so i, I definitely am a big proponent i agree with you i think i think everybody should should be at least checking in with a therapist you know uh bi-monthly um you know if your life's going even you know, really good. I think it's it's probably good to do a check-in because it helps give you perspective. It helps you vent things, and it, it's good to bounce somebody off of somebody. Your friends and and family and everything like that are great too. But sometimes it's nice to get a kind of a third party involved, an unbiased, well. an unbiased exactly. uh, view on it. Exactly, and it can really help kind of center you when you're going through life even if you're not like say going through something like these boys went through just life in general before we wrap things up here since we this show is a victims and villains podcast so of course we talked about the mental health themes of a show like full metal uh alchemist brotherhood but just also talk about the artistic themes i will say as much as i loved all the symbolism and the psychological themes and the character development going on in the series i was really impressed with the fact that and this kind of goes back to our first episode which was on astro boy uh which is the first ever anime and how it was you know originally designed to cut corners because he was starting his own studio and he you know he didn't have the expenses and that's kind of what became anime a lot of the stuff that we see in anime i love how this one used kind of like extreme close-ups and also like they made the characters like look very cartoony and like you know like where all of a sudden they were just like the zigzag teeth and like the white yeah, you've eyes got the, the cheap the chibi version of characters so they're <laughs> the like they're, yeah the little baby versions that are just super simple animation but super like for a perfect example is alphonse his character you know he's I think one of the best things that they do with the animation is he is a metal suit of armor. He doesn't have emotions. He doesn't have facial expressions, but the artist can take his tone, can take what he's feeling and kind of cheat the system a little bit by giving him like little blush marks or angry face or, you know, stuff that kind of portrays how he's feeling just to kind of add flavor, I think. And 
I don't know. It, it keeps it entertaining. And some, some of Alphonse's facial expressions, which is funny because he's a, like a metal, a piece of metal, um, are some of my favorite shots in the whole series. And that's funny considering some of the shots are dynamic as hell. Yeah. You know, you've got fire, you've got magic, you've got guts and blood and and chaos and death, and you've got all kinds of cinematic scenes, but some of my favorite scenes are the simplest. And I, I think the way they were used isn't overly done and uh helped kind of perpetuate the story for like to go further. I, I don't have much experience in animation behind the scenes, but having been on many live action uh, short films and 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 even some feature lengths that were on shoestring budgets, um, I love the fact that they did that. And I, I agree with you; it added so much to the story. But actually, it makes it easier. It's cheaper to do that because they don't have to draw the detail. And so I was like, yeah. "Oh, that's great! Like you enhance the story while lowering the cost and expense." So as as a you know, someone who went to school for producing, I was like, oh, wow, this is such an amazing idea. I love it. So clever, <laughs> yeah. I was so impressed. I was like, I would just like to, like, just, like, shake the hand of the person who thought that up, whoever they were. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so whoever that person is, uh, I, I, I had this tip to you. <laughs> <laughs> I really, like I said, works in the show. Like I said, I was really impressed with it. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool. That's a good idea. Like, you know, I got to maybe think about that, you know, for my own writing. <laughs> right? um, You're like, ah, oh, yes, I will take this into consideration in the future. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I might use this in my own arsenal. Uh, <laughs> I think it's very much an anime worth checking out. Like, you can get as deep as you want with it and it's not kind of dry and in your face or dry and preachy as something like ghost yes i think it's a good balance where it's it's fun like something with promare but it also can be philosophical too while still being fun so it's kind of that middle ground between like now you understand why promare is my favorite anime movie and Uh, Brotherhood is my favorite anime because they both get really deep. There's a lot to read into them. There's a lot of character development. The cinematics are great, even though Promare is very much more cinematic because it is made for a cinema. Uh, But they're, they're beautiful stories, and I think they're very well written and concise. I think there is not a single wasted scene in either of them. So that's another thing I really appreciate about uh, Brotherhood as well is that everything is there for a reason. And and one of the things I learned in writing is that time is money, animation is money, space is money, everything's money. So we're not going to let anything go to waste. And it's very important when you're writing anything, even a book, is that everything means something, that everything will be used in one way or another. And in my opinion, Brotherhood is a masterpiece of an anime because there is no space wasted. So we'll wrap it up, I think, for our discussion on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And I, I you know, highly recommend it. Um, I don't think we really have come across an anime that we haven't recommended this season. So, but this one was definitely... Like I said, this one, I, I for those of you who listened to our Inuyasha episode, Inuyasha will always hold a near and dear space in my heart and is probably still my favorite anime. 
But this one is uh, definitely a, a close runner-up uh, behind uh, Inuyasha for me. So it's probably, um, at least, well, definitely series-wise, it's it's definitely the second, my face second favorite one, and and overall probably still my second favorite one. Although I did enjoy Premiere as well very much, but um, <laughs> so I share your taste, Danny. But um, I, I you know definitely would probably rank this uh, right below Inuyasha so far for what we've covered this season. Speaking of this season, uh, next season we, we I mean I'm sorry next season <laughs> getting ahead of myself here. Next episode we will be covering another series, Fruits Basket, the 2019 yeah. version. Now I have never even heard of this one. I at least have heard of all the other animes that we've covered this season. Uh, so Danny, why don't you kind of just give a quick? <laughs> So, uh, Fruits Basket is a, um, it's based on a manga back in the 90s, early 2000s, I think it finished. There was, oh my goodness, there was a big, I guess, magical era. You've got, like, Sailor Moon, you've got all of those, like, magic type things. The magical girl shows, like, Sailor Moon and Card Capture Sakura, like you're saying. Yes, so what I liked about uh, Fruits Basket is that this has a completely different take on magic. This is a story about the animals of the uh, Chinese calendar? Is it the Chinese? No, not the Chi Is it Chinese? It's a, it's a Chinese zodiac. Chinese zodiac. That's what it is, not calendar. Um, so it it's its own take on magic in a way that it follows the characters, or the animals, rather, of the Chinese Zodiac and their adventures. And the best part is that they are people. <laughs> They're people that, I'm not really giving anything away because you learn in the first episode, they turn into animals. And this girl, it's a slice of life anime. She deals with a lot of issues and she kind of has nobody at some point. And these characters kind of take her in and it's following her and her knowledge and the way she learns about their stories and it's a very light-hearted anime that I enjoyed when I was like middle school I think high school sort of but this is the 2019 version Whereas the original only went through volume one through, I think, six or seven of the manga. This anime is still being produced. There was a recent one in 2021, a uh, recent season. And it kind of covers the entirety of the manga. So, slice of life, lighthearted, magic, animals, super cute, lots of drama, cute boys. You know, all that good stuff. Uh, but also has the drama and villainy that you want in a captivating anime. So I am really excited to discuss it next week. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited too because I'm I always been uh, fascinated by the Chinese zodiacs anyway. So now we're now we're having Chinese zodiac and anime. So <laughs> should be an interesting one. And it's a, it's a more recent one too because I think the last four or five episodes have been more kind of like very landmark kind of animes from the 90s and the early 2000s so so yeah so it'll be an interesting one so definitely uh tune in for that discussion on fruits basket in the meantime where can our listeners find you 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitch at Kittens and Caffeine. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mad Shellfish 2. And you can find me at uh, humanonenature.blogspot.com. That's um, where I post my writings. And if you want to join the discussion here that we had tonight, or you want to chime in something, um, share something, or you have an anime series or movie that you want us to cover, at some point that's near and dear to you, you can always email us and reach out to us at animindpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow our parent company, Victims and Villains, over at victimsandvillains.net. There you can find links to their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube accounts. Victimsandvillains.net also has movie resources, movie reviews, podcasts like the one you're currently listening to and most importantly it has our mental health resource library as i mentioned earlier in this episode we discussed how important it is especially when you go through trauma but really any point to you know have a voice to your feelings and to have a sounding board and have someone you can you know kind of find emotional support with for you know lack of a better term and if you need help with that because you don't have family you don't have a home you don't have you know um, people you can lean on in your life, um, definitely, or you feel comfortable sharing that stuff with in your life, definitely try check out the mental health resource library at victimsandvillains.net to at least get a you know head start on things or at least a lead um, to start you on your journey. So because it's so very very important. Now I know in the last two episodes we made an announcement that we were going to do a live episode of Out of Mind on Victims and Villains Twitch feed which was going to cover Attack on Titan. I apologize to any listeners who were tuned in for that or were looking forward to that because it obviously didn't happen, as you know now. It's funny that uh, we're making this announcement on, on this episode where we're covering Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which talks so much about trauma, PTSD, and, and reaching out to others to lean on for emotional support. I lost my dog, Molly, to cancer, and I was not in a state of mind where I could really um, focus on the show to do the live broadcast. And Molly was with me for 12 years through very tumultuous 12 years. And I leaned on her for support when I had trouble finding humans to lean on for support during those 12 years. And she um, helped me find ways to cope with things and open my mind to a lot of things, a lot of things we were talking about actually in this episode that, and she was definitely family. So my apologies, like I said, I was not in a frame of mind to do the live episode, especially on something like Attack on Titan. So we, it's been postponed. We do intend to do it. We uh, are planning to do it on April 2nd. We don't know the time yet, but Hopefully in the next episode, uh, we will be able to give you a time for that. It will be on Victims and Villains Twitch feed. So that Twitch feed is um, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash M dot Twitch, T-W-I-T-C-H dot TV forward slash Victims and Villains in case you're unfamiliar with how Twitch works. But it will be on April 2nd. We will still be doing a live episode. We will still be doing it on Attack on Titan. But like I said, I apologize to our listeners who made plans to listen to that live episode that I just was not in the right mental frame of mind 
to do an episode due to heavy personal loss that I went through losing my dog, Molly. That will do it for us in this episode. Until next time, keep both your mental health and anime on the mind.